There was once a man who had a serious problem. This man was very religious, and he tried to do all kinds of things that he thought would make God happy and, and which would make himself be favorable in God's eyes. He fasted, he, he prayed, he read his Bible endlessly, but the more things that he did, the worse and worse he felt. He never could do enough, he thought. He can't do enough to get into God's good graces, no matter how hard he tried. And so he ended up hating God. He hated God because he thought that God was this demanding judge who was just telling him that he had to do all of these good works. He didn't hate the, or he hated the works because he actually hated God himself. But then God changed things. He told this man not to keep trying to do all of these things that were going to supposedly work him into God's favor. He told him a man is justified apart from works of the law. In other words, stop trying to do all of these things that you think are going to get you into my good graces. Just believe, believe that my son has done everything necessary for you to give you everything that you need. And what a difference that made. The man continued to do good works, but now he did them with a heart that had been changed, with a heart of, of joy, instead of resenting and, and hating these works and hating God himself. Now, if you haven't figured it out yet, this man is Martin Luther, the father of the Lutheran Reformation. A little over 500 years ago, Luther was brought to that revelation, restoring a belief that actually is a biblical belief and had been around for a long time, but, but over the centuries had become covered up by what the church was teaching, that the church was saying you have to do more and more things. And as we celebrate today what, what God did through Luther, we need to think about our own standing with God, our own hearts, and where they stand in relation to God. So let's listen again to our Old Testament reading for today from Jeremiah chapter 31. He says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was like a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the greatest of them to the least of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Thus far the text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Make us holy through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. So as we think about 
Luther's life and what God did in that life, and we, we think about what God does in our own lives, we'll see that this new covenant that God is talking about, this new covenant changes our hearts. And it changes them from hearts that hate good works. Now, the main reason that our hearts, the, the deepest part of it, our very beings, the main reason that we hate good works is that on our own, apart from Jesus, we can't do good works. And we have to think also, well, what's the definition of a good work? Well, it's not something that we create in our minds, things that, that we simply think are good, but it's things that God looks at as being good, something that makes him happy. And again, by nature, on our own, apart from Jesus, we can't do those things. And all you have to do is Look at Israel as an example. God talks here about his, his chosen nation, the nation that, that he had chosen from among all of the peoples on the earth, that he chose them to be his people. And look what they did. They went so far away from doing good works that they actually broke the covenant God had made with them. Now think about it. God had made a covenant with them, choosing them out of all the nations. And how did Israel treat, treat God? Well, we think about when God rescued them out of the land of Egypt, miraculously bringing them out of their slavery, a slavery that had continued for, for about 400 years. And they're there at Mount Sinai. Moses has gone up the mountain to, to get the Ten Commandments from God. He comes back down and the people are worshiping. But they're worshiping a golden calf. They broke that covenant. And God said, even though I was their husband, he was the one who provided for, who protected them. They committed spiritual adultery by chasing after a false god. And we see that pattern again and again with the history of Israel. They did the same thing over and over again. They would get tired of of doing what they thought God wanted them to do, of following God's law, and they would eventually chase after false gods, abandoning the God who had made that covenant with them. And really that's because no one, including us, no one has the power to do good works on our own. One of the main teachings of the Bible is that the way that we are conceived and born is spiritually dead we have no inherent spiritual power in us the only thing we can do on our own is to fight against god that's why paul says in ephesians 2 that that we were dead in our trespasses and sins we have no spiritual life in us by nature but that doesn't stop us from from trying to do good works we also know by nature that we do things that are wrong we have that written in our hearts too, that we have a conscience and we know we do things that are wrong. And so we try to do things to make up for those, to, to make up, to appease whatever God or higher power there, there may be. But what does God think about those attempts? What does God think about all of these attempts that we may do to, to try to appease him, to try to win his favor? Well, in Isaiah 64, it says all our righteous deeds. So all of the things that we do that we think are good, all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. So not only, not only can, we, can we not do good works 
on our own. The things that we think we're doing that are good are actually sins in God's eyes. So we actually not only hate good works, we don't do good works, even though we think that we do. And we can look at Luther as a, as a prime example of how people in the church of his day looked at things. The prevailing thought of the day was that, that you had to do all kinds of good works, lots of good works in order to gain forgiveness, in order to gain salvation, in order to be in God's favor. And as I mentioned earlier, Luther really tried. He was hard on himself. There were times he would sleep on the floor in his, in his cell. He would, he would beat his own body. He would fast endlessly. But he could never get to the point where he felt like he did enough. He never thought he was forgiven by God. He thought he was doing what he was supposed to. He thought he was doing what God wanted him to. But he was doing them on his own because this was what he thought was best because that's what he had been taught. Now maybe today we have that same sort of mindset when it comes to, to trying to please God. We have that saying, there's no such thing as a free lunch. The way we operate is that if there is something good that we want, well, we have to work for it. We work for our, our paychecks. We work for grades. We work for respect from others. So why not work for salvation? Why not work for approval from God? By nature, that's what we think we can do. Here's what Luther said about thinking that we can work for our eternal life. He says, By nature, we would like to have the kind of God who would be reconciled by our works, who would be brought back together with us. And we say to God, Your word is not true. We are not blind. There is still some light in us toward God. If I obey it, I will be in grace. But because by nature we have hearts that hate good works, not even the things that we do that think that we think please God, actually do please Him. We have no inherent power on our own to, to do anything before God that's going to gain us forgiveness or gain us eternal life. Like Luther, though, we, we may keep trying. And the more we do, the more we resent a God who is so demanding. But God's new covenant changes all of this. His covenant, His new covenant changes our hearts from hearts that hate good works to hearts that actually love good works. We love good works, good works because God's new covenant writes that law within our hearts. When God's law is written on our hearts, it becomes a part of us. It, it becomes just part of who we are. And so to follow it is something that's just natural for us. We may not even think of it consciously. We just do it because that's who we are. And the main part of this, this new covenant, God says in verse 34 of our text, he says, I will forgive their guilt and I will remember their sins no more. Now, how does God do this? Well, we know the answer when he's writing it, when he's saying this in Jeremiah. Well, that was before the fulfillment of this promise. But we know what the fulfillment is. We know that it's through Jesus 
through him sending his very son to do everything necessary to accomplish our salvation. Through everything that Jesus did, through his living and dying and rising, he has done everything necessary before God to win favor in his eyes. And he brings us then into a relationship with him. Through this new covenant, he brings us into that relationship that that gives us eternal life. And after God brings us into that relationship, he's the one who writes his law on our hearts and he teaches us. He says, No longer will each one teach his neighbor or each one teach his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. Now he's not saying here that that everybody in the world is going to know God in the sense of believing in him for their salvation. But what he's talking about is the teaching that he gives us. That we don't have to be told by anyone because God himself tells us that he is our loving God, that he is our Savior. John writes about that in his first letter. He says, As for you, the anointing which you received from God abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But his anointing teaches you about all things. So God teaches us. He teaches us not only what the good works are that he wants us to do, but he also tells us that he loves us. He tells us that he wants to be with us. That's part of his new covenant, that he forgives us of our sins. And so we do good works because we have his law written on our hearts. So true good works follow that writing of the law on our hearts. So it's the result. It's not the cause. We don't do good works to try to get into God's favor. God says, you are in my good graces because of my son. You are in my favor. You're in a relationship with me, this new covenant that I've made with you. And because of that, then we do good works. God is the one who motivates us to do them. God is the one who works them in us. Paul says in Philippians 2, it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work according to his good pleasure. Luther gives us a good example of of how good works are the result of of God working in us through the faith that he works in us. He says this, Good works are done by a person already justified through faith. Just as good fruits are born by a tree, the nature of which was good before the fruits appeared. And the plan of a builder does not come from the house or structure, but the structure comes from the plan, which was in the heart of the builder without and before the building. Can you imagine somebody going out, a builder going out and, and building a house from scratch, a wonderful, a wonderful structure, and then he, when he's all done, he comes back and then writes up the plans for the house? Well, same thing when it comes to our good works. However many our good works may be, they come from God. They come from God working in us, from him writing his law in our hearts and working his love in us and it follows that we're willing to do things that please god when we were dead when we were doing good works to try to attain salvation from god well we probably resented doing them 
because we looked at them as a burden. But now that God has brought us into this new relationship with Him, that He has established this covenant with us, we do, do good works because of the joy that we have in our hearts, the joy that God has produced in us. Then we do good works. Luther said good works are works that flow from faith and from the joy of heart that has come to us because we have forgiveness through Jesus Christ. So how would you classify your heart? Would it be one who, who hates good works or one that loves good works? One that has God's law written on it or not? And it's obvious that if we ever want to get to heaven, that we have to be in God's new covenant. That covenant that He establishes with us. That we don't attain, that we don't work for and attain, but that He comes to us by His grace, working through His Word, working through His sacraments, to bring us into that covenant so that then we will, we will love not just doing good works, we love God first and foremost. Now on a day, <clears throat> excuse me, a day like today, when we talk about Martin Luther and, and what God has done through him, maybe it starts to sound like we're praising Luther too much, maybe putting him up on a pedestal. Luther would not have wanted that. He probably would be a little upset at us that we talk about him so much. In fact, in his day when people started calling those who were following his teachings, when he, they started calling them Lutherans, Luther didn't like it. He said we should be called Christians because we believe in Christ. No one believes in Luther. But really we're focusing on what God did through Martin Luther. Had it not been Luther, God would have brought about this, this restoration of the teaching of his truth in, in some other way through some other person. But today we, we celebrate what God has done through Luther. We give thanks to God for making us a part of his new covenant, a covenant that brings us into his family, a covenant that makes us people who praise him by doing good works. Amen.